Hello and welcome to the Constructor Cast, your AGC place for all the news, views, and interviews relevant to your construction business. I'm your host, Leah Pilkonis. Business development within the construction industry presents multiple challenges as competition levels rise, continued supply obstacles occur, and labor shortages pressure companies to do more with less. With me today to discuss these challenges and more are two members of AGC's Business Development Forum, Chris Martin, who is president of Atlas Marketing, and Tanya Jackson, vice president of sales and marketing at Raylin and Associates. Chris and Tanya have come on the show to share best practices and methods to help your construction company grow. Get ready for some firsthand stories of techniques and proven approaches that you can apply to achieve revenue and profit growth in today's market. Let's start with some self-introductions. Welcome to both of you. Chris, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your company and what you do for the construction industry? Sure. Well, thanks for having us, Leah. Thanks for being here. Uh, my name is Chris Martin, and I am president of Atlas Marketing, and we are based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And uh, we tell stories for people who build things. So we focus heavily on the construction marketing uh, industry in particular, and we're a full-service firm, so we do everything from public relations and messaging to websites, social media, crisis communications, all the fun things in the marketing world. Great. Thanks. Tanya, welcome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here with my cohort, Chris. Exciting today to be here. Uh, As Leah said, my name is Tanya Jackson. I serve as Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Ray Lynn. We're a construction management firm uh, with our corporate office in Carrollton, Georgia, and an Atlanta, Georgia office. And simply what I do for our organization is uh, some amazing things that simply transcend to building some really, really good relationships so our company, our firm, Rayland, can build some amazing communities because we are building for the future, uh, for our future generation, so that's important in the relationships that I establish and uh, partner with our firm. So uh, I'm excited to share today a few of our practices to help others reach their best, highest level of success. Sounds great. Looking forward to the conversation. As I said, we're going to have a a discussion about some of the challenges of growing your construction business and how you can meet them. And we decided that we want to divide our conversation into three main areas. First, we're going to talk about writing a construction bid proposal. Then we're going to talk about strategies for having a great interview with the owner or client. And then we're going to wrap up with some sales and marketing practices. So jumping right into number one, let's talk about how you create a clear, accurate, and beautiful proposal to impress your clients. Uh, Chris, I'm going to start with you. Um, Can you discuss what is some of the, or what are some of the most important elements of the proposal and maybe some do's and some don'ts just from a high level standpoint. Sure. Yeah, sure. I'll, I'll jump in here. I think the, you know, the very first thing that, that we always tell clients and that we've seen in, in our own proposals as well is it's not about us. It's not about, it's not about your company. It's about the people that are reading the proposal and reviewing the proposal. So I think it's important that people take into consideration the amount of information that they provide. And, you know, show and tell is something we learned in first grade, kindergarten. So it always applies in a proposal as well. Um, you know, a lot of uh, 
what we tell clients a lot of the times is less words, more pictures, or more videos, or more ways to entertain. And, and I know that's not the idea of a proposal, but if you think of it as a way to tell a story so that people are entertained with what you're doing, um, you're, you're basically giving a solution to a problem. And the only way for that to be engaging enough, uh, rather than just having you know, a white sheet of paper with black words covered from corner to corner, um, that's not that exciting. So you need to find ways to, to be creative and, and, and showcase the, the solution that you provide in a unique way um, so that it's, it's not only visually appealing, but it's also easy for the person that's reading it or the, or the, the group of people um, to, to, to come to a decision because that's really what marketing is, is helping people make a decision. Um, so I think that's one of, one of the big things. Um, you know, today's cell phones are, are fantastic, and, but if you have a completed project or you have, uh, you know, something that's a much more intriguing project, spend a little coin and, and get, a, get a real photographer out there. <laughs> get a, get a high-res photo, um, you know, uh, to simply help tell that story. Uh, you know, you've spent so much time as a contractor, as a subcontractor, putting your effort, you know, your best effort for, forth. Enjoy it and, and take advantage of that opportunity to tell the story of how you can really help people. Um, I think that's that's probably the best way to, to really to, to dive into it. And, and I know Tanya can, can add some more to that. Yeah. So, Tanya, how do you go about the process? And um, what are some things that you think of just step by step and making sure that you really have a great package? I think the first thing is uh, we have kickoff meetings. So in our kickoff meeting, I try to focus on just a few things. Uh, what is the story that we're telling? Because we want to take uh, something uh, that uh, the owner has, you know, is about to give birth to uh, a vision, and we want to take that and bring that to reality. So what is our story that we're going to share about how we're going to take their ideas, how we're going to take the architect's nice, sexy design and bring that to reality. So it's less, as Chris said, about us and our organization because there are a plethora of builders that can build projects. Mm -hmm. But how is our firm best able to tell your story in a physical form, which is completing a building? So we have a kickoff meeting to discuss what is the story we're going to tell. And in that story, we talk about our relationships with the owner with the architect, with our subs that potentially may be on that particular project. So we talk about the whole team aspect and what's our strengths, what our weaknesses are, what's our strengths and our weaknesses about the, the site that we're probably going to potentially build on. You know, what is the struggle with past GCs that the owner has uh, dealt with? So we, you know, have that think tank session to discuss and come up with a story that's going to best represent how we can provide that solution to the owner and that's what we do. And the next thing, I believe in checklists. Checklists keep you guided, keep you on the right road. It doesn't, you know, because if we have five people sharing a, var a variety of thoughts and processes, but we don't have something singular that will point us in the right direction, then we're all going to go in the wrong direction. So I believe in a checklist that just talks about, okay, you know, various aspects of the proposal. 
you know, making sure we understand what the owner is asking us. The page count, as Chris talked about it, you know, a lot of proposals have about 20 pages of the company information, which is in Germain, that people are really not interested in the owner. They're interested in how you're going to build my project. So making sure that we have a checklist to know we need to get a, a, a bond letter, we need to get a bid bond, having a checklist of how we're going to package it, who's going to deliver it. You know, uh, how many copies? Do we have thumb drives? So we go from a checklist from the start of receiving the proposal, the designated uh, point of contact, who's going to touch the proposal uh, with our scheduler, with our safety team. So we include everybody in that particular process to make sure everybody understands their role in telling this story and how we're going to evolve it, you know, in the basically three weeks normally that we have to be able to produce an amazing proposal that, as Chris talked about, that's uh, attractive because, you know, it's like looking at a book when you go to the bookstore. You know, if the cover's just black, you're not picking that book. But if it's full of color, it's exciting, it draws you in, that's the first book you're going to pick up. So, you know, the cover of your proposal, you want it to be eye-catching. You want it to be really, really nice, sharp, amazing imagery that's high-res, that's able to reflect Number one, if you have a picture of the owner's rendering, that should be on the cover. And if not, you can have something that's similar that's able to articulate what's in the proposal. And as Chris alluded to, you know, white space is important. Uh, the words that you say be short and succinct. Make sure it's readable. Uh, everybody doesn't understand construction language, so make sure it's on a basically at eighth grade level that, you know, if you're dealing with the school system, uh, that the media specialist that you're going to build, you know, their new library, that she's able to understand some of those particular aspects. So know your audience and who you're going to present to, which goes back to the relationship of having that backstory of who's going to be on the committee. So having that proposal really clean, following the directions in the proposal, because I think one thing uh, an owner told me that is so key, if you cannot follow the directions in the proposal, how are you going to follow the directions when you're on the job site? So simple things matter. And, you know, when an owner states something, even though we don't agree with it or understand it, the owner is asking, the owner is paying, do what they say. Good advice. <laughs> so we, um, you were talking about the checklists, and Tanya, it sounds like you're doing those checklists for your the members of your team to make sure everybody knows their individual responsibilities and that they'll be able to meet the timeline. Um, and you both talked a little bit about like the importance of not just you know black and white, boring, make it attractive pictures. Are you? I, I would imagine that folks want to put in pictures of their best work and best projects. And like you're saying, it's it's not about you. It's about doing some uh, research to understand um, specifics to what the owner is looking for and showcasing similar work that you've done in the past, right? So it's not just anything that's amazing that you've done. It needs to be very tailored and on point. Correct. It needs to be extremely relevant. I'm not going to put a photo uh, or submit a project of a football stadium and I'm proposing on a new high school uh, of a, a college stadium. So, uh, And I think whatever photos you put in a proposal, I always like to have a label. How is it relevant to the owner's project? So if they're building a new $65 million school, I'm not going to put an elementary school in there. I'm going to talk about the aspects that we've done this 
uh, and can do it again. So, you know, if we built a 400,000 square foot high school and yours is of the same capacity, I'm going to talk about all of those elements and include some of the challenges we had on that project to show that we're able to handle issues, that issues do come up, but we have a solution. So I think that's key. Everybody, you know, wants to give all of the granular positive things, but things go wrong on all job sites. Things go wrong at your doctor's office. So, you know, owners expect you know, things not to go, you know, as planned. So I think being extremely transparent, showing that you learn things, that you're also seeking innovative ways to ensure success on the project, and just being honest. I mean, you know, uh, being transparent and authentic in a proposal, uh, I, you know, if you can't win it on truth, uh, you, know, I, <laughs> you know, I always say, and I tell our team, we want the right job with the right team, with the right owner, with the right project at the right time. And if all those rights don't line up, we don't need the job. We need to pass and be okay passing, you know, because we're setting ourselves up for success, for repeat business, for future business with other clients. And if you can't do it right this time, just pass and it's okay. Chris, I think you, I heard you say, um, that you, can, you can't always assume that people who are reading the proposal know anything about construction um, and that um, you really need to make sure that you um, are writing this uh, potentially for a, a diverse group of folks from different backgrounds to be reading it. Do you have any other thoughts or you know, suggestions on um, how to make sure that you just have the right, um, the right tone and level of complexity? Yes, I, I think so. I, I, the, um, I always use the analogy of a school board. You know, you typically would have, you know, maybe there's a mother or a father that, that is on the board. There might be an attorney, there might be an engineer and those type of things. And obviously the engineer is going to understand it. But you can't expect that one person to be the voice for your company or for, for what you're trying to get across. So you have to make sure that you're controlling that. You have to control the story, if you will, or control, control the voice. Um, and I think it's really important, too, if, if, you know, if you're a smaller GC or a smaller contractor out there, you know, going back to one of the things that Tanya said about focusing on a project, you know, get creative with that, too, and, and take, that, so it, take that project and weave it the whole way through your proposal so that not only does the the person or people that don't understand construction can get an understanding of it, but it also gives you the ability to kind of put sound bites, if you will, or high key points from the project throughout the proposal so that you're continually saying that story over and over again. And so many times, the more people see it or hear it or read it, the better it's going to be. So I think that's that's important too. But you know, coming back to your question, Lauren, I think the um, the aspect of uh, Leah. I'm sorry, I said I called you Lauren. I'm sorry. Um, the you know the aspect of making it as simple as possible for people to to understand. You know, if, if you have young kids, not that they're, you're going to read the proposal to them, but think about what they understand because that's the normal kind of standard there. Um, Tanya said eighth grade level. You know, uh, that's the typical typical folk that you're 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 telling your story to. So I think that's important to to get to that level. And sometimes that's a challenge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because you've got so much information in your mind that you want to share, and kind of getting it down to digestible, succinct. Um, Solid proposal, I'm sure, is a challenge. I'm just curious. We talked about the um, the high res photos, and it, are, 
Are there, with technology being what it is today and the, I'm sure, ability to include hyperlinks to other things, and can, what have you seen done that works well to make it stand out a little bit without um, maybe adding too much that could take it in the other direction and make it a, a little bit overwhelming to get through? Like, is there anything with technology? I'm just wondering if there's other stuff. That's a good question. I, I think, you know, the, I don't think you can go and, and include too many links. Um, not, you know, you want to limit it. If you have, a, if you're doing a, a, an RFP in a in a Word document or a, a deck format or whatever, you know, maybe it's the one or two links per page might be a good golden rule. But the aspect of providing that information so that the the recipient or the reviewer has that decision to make: Do I want to look at this or not? Um, and there's so many ways that you can even track that, you know, to, mm-hmm. to, to find out if, you know, the reviewer has looked at it looked at that specific page or um, elements of your proposal. But I, I think that you know, offering that and making it more interactive is going to be much more um, promising for your firm because, again, you know, kind of the golden rule in proposals is it's not about you; it's about the other people that are reading it. So you don't know as much as you think you do about those people. So give it to them, whether it's in words, video, picture, support that and make sure that it's relevant. And I think Tanya mentioned that earlier that, you know, if you are including a video or, or an image of a project or even content around a project, it has to be relevant. It can't be something that is just, oh, hey, we did this project five years ago. It was really cool. You should know about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that, yeah, you're wasting people's time and, and, and energy. And, and the whole, again, the whole idea of this is to help people make a decision so that they hire you. Going into the proposal development stage with that in mind, mm-hmm. you're going to be in you're going to be in a much better spot. And I, you know, I just want to say uh, piggyback a little bit on what Chris said. And I think when you look at proposals, uh, we always have to remember and step back because we always think uh, every firm uh, that's in the construction industry who uh, submits proposals think theirs is absolutely amazing. <laughs> uh, but you know, I can say that there is always room for growth. But if an owner cannot see themselves in that proposal, then you've done a disservice to your firm. Good point. They've got to be engaging and be able to, as they're reading the project approach or seeing other projects that are similar to what you are proposing to build for them, they've got to see themselves in that proposal. And if they don't see it, how are they going to believe it? So it's very, very relevant for you to tell the right story understand your audience, who you're meeting, because we need to remember, I mean, things are very competitive now. Some, I mean, we've turned in a proposal and it's like uh, eight uh, GCs, one was 12 GCs. And so this committee that's normally a minimum of five people have to read 12 proposals it's like, shoot me already. I, I wouldn't want to read 12 <laughs> yeah, proposals. That's a good way to think and about then it. if you have 12 bad proposals, oh no. So You're crabby by the time you get exactly, to the last one. <laughs> yeah. Or to so, the second. <laughs> so you want to make sure that you make a statement, mm-hmm. not restate it, but make the statement what you can do, what you will do. It's all it's the basic principles of writing, the five W's. Mm-hmm. You know, the what, when, mm-hmm. how, who, where. And uh, call it a day, right? And and just you know do what you need to do to ensure that you're shortlisted and you know able to really tell your story in person, 
uh, when you get to the interview process. So, you know, the KISS principle works amazing, you know, but like Chris says, you know, if we built, you know, 10 amphitheaters, by gosh, we think we got to, you know, submit all 10 amphitheaters. No, you don't. <laughs> you know, you just submit the ones that are applicable to the client's needs and uh, resources and uh, move on. So I think it's key is just making sure you understand the owner's needs. And that goes back to the business developer, ensuring that they understand yeah. because they have the initial relationship and then understanding what the architect is requesting and having conversations with the architect to understand their uh, perspective from that. And then with your team to make sure that they understand what's required. And if everybody understands, then we can move forward and produce an amazing proposal. Well, good transition into our second uh, topic that we want to cover, because you mentioned a couple times there the interview. Um, so let's talk about delivering a really stunning presentation that's going to impress your potential clients. Um, Chris, I'd like to start with you again. Um, can you give us sort of an overview of some best practices and, and things that you tell um, the folks that you work with that they really need to remember when they're preparing for interviews? Sure. I, I think that, you know, the, and, and today, unfortunately, you know, whether you like it or not, we're never going to get rid of the virtual component. And so, you know, it's just a, a fact of business today, and so we have to embrace it. So that's, I think that's definitely the first thing, because, you know, just get, just get used to it. Um, you know, the other side of that is um, learn how to utilize that to your advantage, you know, whether it is practicing on, uh, like, an internal video call or, you know, having your own practice session and having, you know, someone on your team or even somebody outside of your team to ask you questions that you anticipate the the um, the owner and the, and the and the owner's team you know owner's rep whoever it is to ask those questions because again I think the best way that you can prepare for an interview is to just practice um, you know I would love to say that you know you can just walk up and, and hit a home run every single time you're at bat and that just doesn't happen um, no one's that lucky um, but um, you know, I, I think the, the bigger thing, too, is I've seen much success by having a conversation just like we're having now. You know, it, I, I enjoy asking a lot of questions when we have interviews, especially when, when people are, you know, talking about us, whether they want to hire us or, or engage with us. So we are asking a lot of questions as well, and, and I think it's, it's a little bit of a twist because even though you're being interviewed, in essence, you're also interviewing them mm -hmm. because there's been times when, you know, we've we've gone through it, and, and you know, in the marketing and advertising side of things, where, hey, this looks like a great project for us to get involved with. But once we start to meet the whole team, we realize, yeah, no, this isn't going to work out too well. And so we we you know, very professionally and, and casually just kind of say, you know what, I don't think we're the right firm for you. Um, and like Tanya said earlier, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's, it's quite all right, and in fact, it might help your business. Um, you know, so I think that's that's an element of it uh, that is not only conversational, but you know, looking at it from a perspective of it, I'm doing the interview as well. It's it's there's a, two sides of the table uh, to take to that, and I think that's something that a lot of a lot of contractors don't even think about that way. Tanya, how do you manage this process with your team? 
Oh, gosh. Uh, my team probably hates when it's time for interviews <laughs> to deal with me. <laughs> uh, because I, I take it, uh, uh, you know, that this is the opportunity, you know, for you to hit that home run and you really only have one shot to hit it. And at the end of the day, uh, remember, this is how we stay in business. So it's extremely important that we dedicate the necessary time, necessary resources to set ourselves up for success as much as we possibly can with all of the intel that we have, with all of the experience that we have, with all of the resources that we have, and accomplish this goal and move forward uh, with a successful interview. So as Chris said, uh, practice is king. It's the money maker. Uh, as he talked about, you know, having a variety of uh, platforms. Uh, I am pro virtual interview. Uh, because I think the uh, in-person uh, owners are starting to get away from the dog and pony show. And I remember uh, back in the day, uh, 15 years ago, when uh, we were doing an interview and I would have, uh, we did one for animal shelters. So I had gotten these little stuffed little dogs, had name tags on them, <laughs> had our logo on it. And, you know, all of this, you know, sexy stuff, bringing them lunch and, you know, and they loved it and still didn't select us. And I was like, dang, they didn't like my dog. It was cute, you know? Uh, but owners are now, you know, they don't want the fluff and the huff and all of that sexiness. So I totally appreciate not having the dog and pony show. Literally. Literally. Uh, but uh, the interview process has really, really gotten down to, as Chris says, more of a dialogue and a conversation because, you know, at the end of the day, my theory is. Okay, you're talking to the end user that's going to be in relationship with you for probably about a period of a year to three years. Uh, we've got to figure this thing out. You know, it's like I was telling somebody uh, earlier, when you're at an interview, it's almost like courting. Okay, so you kind of both put your best foot forward, you know, and you're trying to, you know, impress but not be overly impressive because you really want this relationship with this owner. Uh, and then uh, as you're moving through the interview process, you're trying to build that rapport because that owner or end using or facility manager, they're going to be engaged with you more than they are their family. Okay, if they're working eight or nine hours a day and our team is out there and so they're going to see our team more than they will their wife, their kids, you know, their extended family members. So I kind of got to like you. So it's important for us to be in an interview, to be extremely personable. And we know everybody doesn't have an uh, outgoing, extroverted, crazy, left-field personality that I do. <laughs> so we have a lot of introverts on our team. You know, they just like to work in the field, do an amazing job uh, supervising or managing field uh, concrete or everything else. Uh, but still letting them know that, hey, you've got to be engaging because we're asking them to pay us money to do something. And they've got to know that you kind of want to do it. You can't just, you know, sit back, you know, with your hands folded, rear back, you know, like you're in your office trailer. So I think it kind of goes back to all of those old fashioned principles that we all learned, you know, but at the end of the day, this is our money, uh, t money time. This is time to, you know, put up or shut up, you know, because we're all skilled and equipped to do it. And as I tell, you know, our superintendents, 
Just tell the story of how you build a project. It doesn't. Just tell your story. Be authentic. You know how to do that. I don't need you to be as you know impressive or polished like a project manager would be. I need you to simply tell how you're going to take nothing and make it into something. That's all I want you to do. And so when we give our team permission to be their best selves in what they do, to have them talk the right language that they know every day, uh, we're set up for success. Now, what some of us do, I've done it in the past, we try to make somebody say something that they have <laughs> no knowledge about except you know the five run-throughs that you've done. So when you tell people to do something that is not natural or organic for them, or you know, uh, then you're getting into where people have problems communicating, and an owner can see that it's not authentic. That you know, this person knows nothing about quality. They're just a scheduling person. So how are they going to talk about quality? So I think just being honest, uh, practicing, telling your team the truth. I videotape my team because. You know, it used to be, I would say, and they were like, oh my gosh, Tanya, she's, she just doesn't like when I stand up, when I do this. And it's like, no, I don't like it, but I, you don't see what I see. So when I showed them what they actually look like, it's like, oh, I didn't realize I did that. Yeah, you put your hands in your pocket every three minutes. You need to stop doing that. But then the video told them, hey, you need to stop doing that. So I think when we see ourselves as we... You know, I think that's the best thing I suggest anybody do. Videotape your practice, let your whole team see it, and you have those particular people that struggle, meet with them privately, practice with them privately, and help them find the right path. And when you give them permission to be on the right road, they will knock it out the park. But we gotta trust our team. But that goes back to picking the right team. Always goes back to that. You know, if you have the right team, your, your interview will be successful if you have knowledge of what you're about to do, if you have knowledge about the project, knowledge about the client's needs, have the solutions, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a win-win. Mm -hmm. But when we don't have all of those intangible things put together, uh, it's like a Rubik's uh, cube. You know, you got, you got to be able to but have all of the colors line up, mm -hmm. you know, but it takes the architect, it takes the owner, it takes the GC, it takes the subs, it takes all of our construction industry partners, you know, to put all of the colors, uh, like-minded colors together. And we can't forget about that. Yeah. So that's just my two cents. Yeah. <laughs> so I hear you saying that you, you don't over script, you don't tell people what they have to say. It's very important to be genuine, be authentic, speak, you know, from, from the heart, passionately, enthusiastically about what you're going to be doing for, for the owner and what you're going to be doing to, um, to create what it is, you know, their goal, their vision. I imagine, though, like you were saying, with videotaping and um, maybe you have to have some tough conversations with people about some things that you can control. I mean, you've got a certain amount of time that you're going to be, the you know, all eyes are going to be on you. Um, Chris, is there kind of like a, a little list of things that are important to keep in mind, especially in the virtual environment, just to make sure that what everybody's looking at on screen is, is the tightest and the best and um, looking as professional as possible? Yeah, I, I think professional is, is, the, is the key there. Uh, you, know, uh, um, you know, everybody, whether they're on a job site or in the office or in a trailer, uh, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis are professional. You know, that's one of the good things about working in this industry is that there is such such a professional level. Um, but a lot of the times, like, like Tanya was saying, I mean, putting a square peg in a round hole, it just doesn't fit. 
So I, I think that's important for the for the you know the business development managers, the marketing managers out there that are listening is to to look at your team and make sure that that makes sense. Um, I think the other side of that too is is you know giving everyone that's on the in the interview or in the virtual meeting a role and make sure that it fits for those people. Um, you know the. You, you said it best, Tony. You, know, you can't expect a, a quality person, you know, or a, a, an estimator mm-hmm. to talk about quality. Like mm-hmm. it just it doesn't make sense. So, my thought is, is you, you use a you know fantasy football approach. You know, who, how can I pull together my team the best way to put that put put it, put the the best foot forward so that we can win the project? Um, and I, I also think too, you know, looking at ways that you can really put your team in positions to be successful is very helpful as well because no matter what even if you know even outside of the interview process but that's a whole other episode um, but you know looking at ways that you can find the right people to tell the story um, and, and you know I know we've helped clients go through this process where we've said okay you know you've got 30 minutes you know you, and, and that's a very short amount of time a short amount of time to get everything you want across over uh, from a project. So look at, you know, create a checklist. What are the things that are must-haves? What, what, are, what is the owner, what are they asking for? What is the, the, the team really looking to get out of this discussion? And, and the reality of it is, is almost every interview is always a, a, a relationship check. So are you coming off authentically? Are you coming off passionately? And are you able to talk about the problem at hand? Um, the sooner you can get to the problem that the owner has, whether it's you know an ex, you know a new new building and excavation is the biggest challenge. Okay, well that's what we need to focus on yeah. versus yeah. the actual structural elements, or um, <clears throat> you know if the project has a curtain wall versus you know just concrete walls. You know, like those are some things that you've just got to be prepared to talk about and. Even at that point, look at one or two issues and really focus on that so that the people that are listening and, and reviewing and, and understanding what the story is that you're trying to tell, again, it's easy for them to go, wow, these, they really understand what we're talking about and they understand the challenges that we have. Um, so I think that's, that comes off more um, if you really look at what, what the questions are that are being asked of you. I'm wondering also if... Um Things like uh, lighting and, you know, making sure that, um, you know, you, you had mentioned videoing your team. So if someone, you know, tends to do something that might appear distracting to others that they don't realize they're doing, you can catch it and have the conversation. But, I mean, I imagine that what's in your background is important. Lighting's important. Um, making sure, Tanya, I've heard you share making sure that everybody um, has at the front of their mind the name of the company that you're yeah. speaking to and the name of the people that you're speaking to. So, you know, things like that in the moment can sometimes, you know, you... You're, you're you have a brain lapse. Yep. Yeah, yeah. When you're nervous, your brain kind of shuts down and you kind of forget. So, you know, having the owner's client's name uh, posted, having the interview person's names posted so you can remember. Uh, we talked about professional, just having your team in your uh, logo shirts, you know, mm-hmm. and dressing appropriate, you know, not having the superintendent in a suit because everybody knows superintendents <laughs> never wear suits. So just making sure that those particular people are dressed accordingly, uh, that BD folks like me are not talking. I just go into the room and I set the atmosphere for the interview. I go in, 
you know, because I'm going to know a few of those people who are, you know, handling the interview. I should, you know, as a, a relationship builder and go in and uh, talk, you know, because there again, I'm just trying to get another touch, see my face, build our brand, you know, casually introduce our team. And then I find a corner and I sit and I don't say another word until it's over. And then, you know, thank everybody on behalf of our team you know, for allowing us to be there. Uh, but, you know, we used to have our president go to all the interviews and it's like, they don't want to hear from him. You know, <laughs> they want to hear from the people who are going to be there every single day, making that commitment, driving that team, driving the subs, who are going to be uh, bringing that uh, project to life. Those are the people uh, who are doing the hard work needs to talk about, uh, you know, to the owner. So I think it's important of understanding that because sometimes we think as, you know, the executive side, you know, we have, you know, we got the sales knowledge in mind and we are always in sales mode, but sales has a variety of, uh, a variety of ways of being distributed. And at that particular time, you know, the project manager, the superintendent, and uh, the estimator and the scheduler are like the four main components and the superintendent really should drive most of the conversation because he is number one going to be the person that the main relationship when something goes left they're going to call the superintendent first they're not going to call me so that person understanding in totality the whole uh, goal of the project for the owner and then being able to articulate what they can do uh, in regards to their skill sets to bring the owner's uh, vision to life, I think is, you know, key. And then, you know, the whole, if you're on virtual, I, I'm pro virtual, you know, have your background, make sure, you know, it's uh, your company logoed or, you know, everybody's, you know, looking the same, you know, and not I'm in my kitchen and, you know, just, <laughs> it's just common sense, but, you know, you can't pay for common sense sometimes. So we have to just share some best practices and tips, uh, but just, you know, show what you would want to see. If the roles were reversed, yeah. you know, if you were, and that goes back to dating. If you were dating, do you want somebody to show up and just cut off jeans and, you know, flip flops? Or do you want them to look presentable? You want them to look presentable. Do you want them to always talk about themselves? No. You want them to talk about the future of the relationship they potentially want to have with you. You want it to be impressive. You want them to be engaging while you're, you know, so it's just. A good analogy. Yeah. Basic <laughs> dating, yeah. you know? Yeah. 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 They just have the benefit that we don't go home with them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, with that, let's move into our our last uh, kind of topic that we wanted to cover, more of the general sales and marketing. And I'm I'm curious, you know, with uh, today's uh, social media and all the fancy stuff you can do on websites and project portfolios, and um, let's talk a little bit about... um, how you can kind of get yourself ahead um, of the pack and and really stand out from the competition. Um, Chris, why don't you start? Uh, Well, I think, again, you know, like we said at the very beginning, anything through the business development process, it's not about you. You know, um, you are, you have to be thinking about what the customer needs and and what, how, how your company can solve that problem for them. Um, You know, it's, it's a pain point issue. 
Um, I think there's another thing too in the in the the general sales and marketing side of things. Like it is something that we call the, the three V's of of marketing. Um, it's voice. Um, video and visuals so the voice element is you know are it is is what you're saying consistent across everything mm-hmm. so that means your social media your website uh, any news releases or PR elements um, it, speaking engagements are you using the same message over and over again so that would be under the voice aspect videos Pretty straightforward. Uh, unfortunately, in today's day and age, nobody likes to read. <laughs> so the more that you have, you know, black words on a white sheet of paper, it's just people's eyes glaze over, and and it just doesn't. Nothing comes off the page. So if you can put it into into a video and and, and show it and, and action and, and make it you know engaging. I think that's going to be beneficial. And then the visuals, you know, show and tell. Again, like I said earlier, it comes back to kindergarten or first grade. Like, here's what we've done. Here's how we help that client. Here's what we've been able to do. And and here's the, you know, in a very, very straightforward way. Um, And the other thing, too, is I always encourage our clients to to get away from, you know, the the basics of construction marketing. And and there's two elements to that. One um, is the, the... Square footage and you know type of type of construction and you know how was the contract built? You know, th- those are all important, but that shouldn't be your 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 big leave behind. Like, okay, that's great. You build a three hundred fifty thousand square foot warehouse, and <laughs> you know, like, what's the big deal here? And then the other side of that too is, and this is something that we we really really um, emphasize a lot. Uh, is, what we call the, the the main construction pillars, safe, on time, under budget. Um, everyone in the industry is safe, on time, yeah. and under budget. Yeah. Yeah. So if you know if there's ten co- contractors in your area that are all saying the same thing, all you're doing is you're forcing your customers to look at one thing, and that's price. And at that point, there's no real skill, there's no real expertise, there's no um, uniqueness that comes out of it. So what we always try to do is we, we, we really look at for that uniqueness element. Um, we, for example, I'll give you an example. We have a, a, a client of ours who they were building a high school and, or I'm sorry, an elementary school. And the owner came back and said, hey, you know, we still have to use that building. How can we do this? The contractor came back and said, we'll work on evenings and weekends. Hmm. Unheard of in the mm-hmm. industry. Like mm-hmm. that's just amazing. And they finish the job safely on time and under budget. Yeah. You know, so the big takeaway there is, is as a general contractor, we're going to work with you and we're going to work around your schedules to help you bring your dream to a reality. And so that's the, when I say, you know, steer away from safe on time on budget. Find the uniqueness yeah. that your company brings and, and so that you are standing out in a crowd rather than just simply standing in the background. Because I think that is something that are, that are, that the industry as a whole just needs a shot in the arm. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll be honest, I, I I can't take it anymore. If GCs come to us and say we need help, and their big message is we're safe on time on budget. Yeah, you should right. be. Yeah, exactly. It's an expectation. Yeah, yeah. exactly. It's an yeah. expectation, and you know I think that's something to to really help you stand out. Tanya, what what is your advice for folks that are trying to make themselves stand out and 
maybe, you know, I imagine that it's something that um, you really need to come up with your strategy and then make sure, like, like Chris was saying, that everybody's speaking from the same set of notes and that everybody's like sharing the same, whether it's your, your values or your, you know, your image. How do you make sure that that happens <clears throat> at your firm? It goes back to, uh, I think, just communicate, communicating. And I probably had a light bulb moment uh, probably about three or four years ago. And it just came to me. Uh, and I've tried to uh, state that to our team and cause them to think differently. We're not just building a school. That's not the conversation when we're doing a proposal. We're building a place for learning. We're building a place for kids to have fun. We're building a place for kids to dream. We're building a place for our future you know, astronaut. We're building a place for our next culinary master chef. That's what we're building. So when you have that personal connection, you look different, you act different, you think different. So it's no longer just a building. It means something. So I think once you, I, I try to associate uh, the human connectivity of everything. And I think, uh, you know, because of COVID, I mean, it really, really, uh, you know, because that was a, you know, that's a whole nother podcast talking about the effects of COVID, I think, on BD folks. But, uh, mm -hmm. you know, one thing I think that, it, you know, out of the all that happened is realizing that we need each other, we need connectivity, and we are not successful if we don't have that human con connection. And so in our projects, where is the humanity in all of that? You know, so as you're do because if you realize, if our subs realize, if our team realizes, if the architect, electrician realizes that it, this is a place for dreams, so it means something. So if we think about it in that higher or granular scheme, our work, our work ethic changes. We, we, we think differently. We're going to do a better job because the end result, the end user is going to be impacted by our work. So I think that's the shift. This is another life that we're gonna be able to provide an amazing experience. When we touch hospitals, this is a, we're building a place for healing. We're building a place that somebody's gonna you know, be healed from cancer. We're in an amazing industry that impacts a plethora of people that other people will never touch. We're building hotels, so we're building vacation spots for people, for kids to jump on beds and, you know, <laughs> play all the hide-and-seek games. All and those memories. All those things, family memories. If we have the right reason, if we have the right why. Mm -hmm. The right mindset. Exactly. Yeah. Your passion. The, the money will inspiring. come. The projects mm -hmm. will come. Yeah. The profit will come. The bonus will come. But if you have the right why and do it for the right reason, it'll be great. Great yes. advice. <laughs> well, you guys have shared some really amazing tips and tools and best practices. Really appreciate um, all that you shared with us today. Thank you. Thank you. So we're talking about, um, obviously, business development. And AGC has a business development forum that you're both part of. Um, Tanya, can you just talk a little bit about that, what your experience has been, what you've gotten out of that? And um, we're going to make sure in the show notes that we tell folks where they can go on the website, uh, AGC's website, to get more information. Excellent. Excellent. So all of you who are now hearing this for the first time, 
uh, I simply encourage you to uh, go to the show notes, click all of the appropriate links because your life is going to change because I'm going to be one of your new best friends. Chris <laughs> Martin is going to be one of your new best friends. The uh, AGC Business Development Forum, uh, we simply have an amazing time strategizing how we can create some best practices for all of our BD marketing folks in AGC for all of our members, how we can provide some amazing content to set you up for success. We have webinars, we have a newsletter, we have a strong LinkedIn, we have a website that has a plethora of resources. So we want to support you and we encourage you. You can join our committee uh, every October. We uh, elect uh, new members, uh, but we are a place to simply help because, you know, I was talking earlier to somebody about competition. I, competition doesn't exist uh, with me. If I have a problem, I'll call a competitor. It doesn't matter that they're my competitor, but they are my cohort as another BD person, and we're here to help one another, and it kind of goes back to that human connectivity that I talked about earlier. So the BD form is just simply to help you be better, to help you develop professionally better, to serve your clients better, to serve your firm better, and to connect with some amazing people. So I challenge you to uh, join us and just see what a difference that the AGC Business Steering Committee and BD form can make in your life and in your business. I promise you it won't be the same. So press the button, click the link, and join us. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much. How can you say no to that? Yeah, that's right. Uh, don't say no to me, please. Yeah. <laughs> Trust me, you don't want to. <laughs> well, thank you both so much again. Thanks for all you do for AGC and all your contributions to the, to the forum. This has been another episode of AGC's Constructor Cast. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. You can subscribe to Constructor Cast from your podcast app or stream all available episodes right from your computer at www.agc.com. 